Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Welcome on in. Tobin here with you on Fighters Fury. Starting out my return from vacation with a bang. So much phlegm. I got to get, get my voice in a fighting shape. Not to not to overuse puns for this show, but good God, this has been a long time. It was, a, it was the longest I've taken off of work. I don't know how long. Um, but we're going to close out the year in the right way. I wanted to get in here with you guys. The last card of 2017 for the UFC last night. You had 219 go down from Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, Chris Cyborg. She retains her featherweight title over Holly Holm. And what I, what I thought was a pretty lackluster final pay-per-view of, of, the, uh, of the year. Uh, and what I didn't think was a fantastic year for the UFC. Uh, they rallied. They had a nice end to 2017 with UFC 217, UFC 218, those are both fantastic cards. Um, but, you know, UFC 218 came away with a little bit of uh, of a dud because we really don't know what the future holds for GSP. And, you know, this one, the big uh, – you know what was interesting about this? You had Chris Cyber versus Holly Holm, and I, th- I felt like a lot of the buildup was – you know, if Holly beats Cyborg, she's the best of all time. But if Cyborg beats Holly, it didn't really feel like there were any great gains for for Chris Cyborg, other than finally she's got a game opponent. This was somebody she couldn't ragdoll. And I thought Holly put forth a, a really great effort. Um, you know, she ended up she ended up losing unanimous decision. Two judges had it 48-47. Uh, one had a 49-46. Every judge gave Holly the second round. Two of the judges gave her the first two. I could see where they ended up with giving her the first two if you were going by by output, uh, certainly not by what was landing, but it felt like it was an interesting dynamic because I think old Chris Cyborg, you would have thought, oh, she's going to bull rush. She's going to pour the pressure on Holly Holm. And that really wasn't the case. She was almost the aggressor, but she was also the counterpuncher. You know, she backed Holly into this uh, this situation where Holly was backing up a lot of the time, and then a lot of the times had to to rush in um, to put forth any force, to put forth any effort. Um, you know, through four or five punches to try and get anything on Chris Cyborg. She landed flush a couple of times, but you could just tell like Chris Cyborg wasn't phased by it, and you know, one point was smiling at her and really never, never set up that kick in any spot where you felt she had a real legit chance to land. And I thought the thing that was also interesting between her and Cyborg is you probably went into this thinking, you know, Holly would have the advantage with kicks. And I really thought that was 
the big difference in the two is that if you were surprised by two things in this fight, that when it got physical, when it got into the clench and it got to those two engaging, Holly probably got the better of those two tangling up, although nothing of consequence really ever came up of those two going up against the fence other than Holly wasn't going to be taken down and get bludgeoned. Um, but I thought Cyborg, her, her, her great weapon in this were her kicks. I thought she was, she was versatile. She was going all over the body, um, landed a couple head kicks that really kept Holly at bay. And, and, you know, when you got into these exchanges, you could just tell that Holly was getting the worst of it. Um, the last three rounds were clearly for Chris Cyborg and, you know, goes on her way, but you come out of this thing and everybody's like, well, we want to see her take on Megan Anderson, a true 145 pound fighter. And it's like, I didn't feel like Holly wasn't a true 145. In fact, I thought Holly physically, I saw her at the weigh-ins and I'm like, man, it's probably the best you've seen Holly Holm look at a weigh-in in a long time. She looks fantastic. She looks like she's translated to this weight class very, very well. I didn't think this was a case where, oh, Holly Holm didn't have the power Look, if Holly Holm was able to land a head kick flush on Chris Cyborg, that's bad news. That's danger for her. But she wasn't. It, it, you know, she's not in there with a with a with a novice striker like she was with Ronda Rousey. She was in there with one of the best strikers the women's division has ever seen, and wasn't going to be fooled by that. And so, if but 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 make no mistake, if Holly Holm is able to set up that kick and hit Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg's if, if not getting night night, she is she's going to be hurt. So I didn't think this was a case where, oh, she wasn't taking on a true one forty five er. I think if anything, Holly Holm, I think the rest of her career, however many fights she wants to play out, should be in this division. Um, I don't I don't think she should go to one thirty five. Um, I, th- I think physically she looked really really good, and so I, I think a little bit too much was made by the broadcast crew, who I'll get to a little bit later. Um, I, of of Holly's weight and that they that she wasn't size wise up to snuff with with Chris Cyborg. Look, if you look over Holly Holmes' career, her her knockouts are, are head kicks. She's not she's not busting anybody up with her with her fists. That's 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 a setup. That's not what that's not what makes her elite. And I don't think weight class I don't think weight class made a huge difference. I just think in skill set what they bring to the table. This is what Holly brings, and Chris Cyborg is uh, is a different beast when it comes to that regard. Now, the one thing I do think that was empty with this, though, is, um, you know, they're talking about, all right, well, what's next for her, for, for Chris Cyborg? And I always think that's an important thing when you're coming out of these pay-per-views because they are the biggest events of the UFC year, and they should have the greatest consequence when it comes to what's next for the UFC because these are the these are the events we're paying for. And I thought yesterday with Chris, I just thought it was a big miss of okay, well, she's going to take on Megan Anderson, you know, Invicta 145 champion who there there were plans to fight initially and um you know didn't really come to fruition she had an injury that came up so that fight got scratched. And so we never got Megan Anderson to to, to see her fight. And it's just like, ah, well, all right, well, that's so that's the great thing is uh, the consequences she's going to fight somebody that most UFC fans have haven't seen fight before. 
And there wasn't any great praise of, of Chris Cyborg, I thought. I thought that it was just left with whatever. Chris Cyborg did her thing. And look, as an audience member, that was left upon me. I, I don't think this Chris Cyborg under Jason Perillo, who is probably a smarter striker, who's probably a more diverse striker, but is she she, she more of a gotta watcher, gotta watch Chris Cyborg? I don't know. You know, took took a, a, a while to really taking a while of Chris Cyborg to go in there and pick apart her opponents like she did against Holly Holm and like she did against Tanya Evinger who you know you you, you look at, at who she was facing in that fight and you're just like ah this isn't this isn't this isn't a legit competition and even with that took her time three rounds patience before she dismantled her and when I think Chris Cyborg, you know, the, the, the image that's usually in my head is her pummeling Gina Carano um, in, in one of the all-time built-up women's fights. It's like, well, that's, that's the Chris Cyborg I'm looking to see. I'm looking to see her run through somebody and dominate. And so, look, you could give credit to Holly Holm. Holly Holm physically, she looked that, – that's why I, I, um, I take issue with the idea that Holly Holm – was in there and she wasn't game for the division. I thought she certainly was a game featherweight and 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 is is legit for that division. But Holly uh but but Chris Cyborg, the Chris Cyborg I want to see is somebody I want to see run through her opponents like a Mack truck. I don't want to see her picking apart opponents. I know she has heavy hands and I know that that Holly's face looked rearranged after that, but that's not what I think makes her a a a, a tune-in. I think what makes her is 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 her being like the Mike Tyson of women's mixed martial arts, and so that not that not being the uh, the type of type of style we've seen from her lately is interesting. It's interesting that we haven't seen that 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 kind of uh, that kind of output output from Cyborg, and I also think that there was a uh, there was there's a little bit of a all right. So what do we do here with Chris Cyborg? You know, you made this division for her at 145, and you probably gave her the biggest name you could in the women's division that's left. I mean, Ronda Rousey's obviously not fighting, um, and Holly Holmes, your your other biggest star, and Misha Tate's retired. So do we eventually get Cyborg versus Nunez? Maybe, I guess. Um, although I think Nunez has to reign over 135 like the thing with people jumping divisions and jumping all over the place and this has become a very popular thing in the ufc where you know people want the 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 quote-unquote money fight even though they're not money fights they want to say oh well i'm gonna jump here i'm, I'm tj dillashaw i want to jump down and i want to fight mighty mouse johnson it's like i mean all right I'll, I'll see it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tune away from my television that night but it's not blockbuster it's it's not i think something that you know the bars are going to definitely throw up your your event because TJ Dillashaw is looking to go get the flyweight belt. Just like I don't think that people are going to say, ah, we have to show the 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 Nunez versus Cyborg fight tonight. Nunez is looking to 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 win two belts at the same time. I don't think it has the same effect that it does with uh you know Conor McGregor who is trying to do it for the first time and obviously isn't on the star level of a Conor McGregor. You know, like for me, there's some honor in just defending your belt, being fantastic in that division, and rolling that way. So, 
the Amanda Nunes fight, it's it's not so, it, it again, it's not something I'm going to toot away from if you tell me that's where we're going with this and it's going to be Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg. Okay, but it almost feels like at that point you're kind of washing the 135 division. You're like, ah, why don't we just make it 145 at this point? Because, you know, then, then what's left at 135? You're going to do uh, Hervis Shevchenko again? That's, it, it's a weird one to me. And I think for right now, you look at the women's division and, you know, you got some exciting things happening at 115 and with obviously Rose winning the way she did and you got a new division popping up. So there's some good things happening with, with women's mixed martial arts. But I think you look at Chris Cyborg, who is now left uh, on top of the mountain where she probably always should have been. And I think a lot of the, the talks of her and Rousey and if that fight ever happened, um, you know, I think we know now what, what the case would have been because it doesn't look like Ronda Rousey can can rally from a punch anymore. Uh, if those guys would have, if they would have faced off uh, at 135, if Cyborg had ever gotten there, or if Rousey would have ever gone up to 145, you know, maybe the same thing would have happened. Maybe she would have uh, gotten run over, or if she never took the head kick from Holly Holm, you know, maybe she's a different opponent. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing with Rousey. You, you kind of look at her. I will say this with uh, with the idea of, of Rousey versus Chris Cyborg and best of all time and, and who they've ever taken on and all that. Um, you know, I, I do think that people are u- urinate a little bit all over Ronda Rousey's legacy as a female fighter. And it's it's a little bit harsh for me as far as, wow, like, you think about this sport, and this is supposed to be the sport where losing is acceptable, losing is uh, is taken more with a grain of salt, and, and it's analyzed better. And you think about these things, and you're like, well, this is the this is the this is the the criticism that's always thrown out with Ronda Rousey. Well, the competition just caught up with her, and it's like, all right, but. The person who's now regarded as the best women's fighter of all time was doing it before Ronda Rousey really even stepped onto the scene. And the fighter that she beat in Holly Holm lost to a fighter that Ronda Rousey beat soundly twice. You know, so you're saying, all right, well, well, Ronda got in there with people who could throw punches? I never understood that. Like, oh, well, women's mixed martial arts kind of... Not really. She just finally got in there. She got in there with somebody who stylistically messed her up. And didn't really get in spar for her comeback fight, which was a year later, you know, went into hiding and, you know, clearly mentally wasn't capable of, of going on with, with, with taking punches in the face and and going forward. So, you you know, you could, you could question, I guess the, I guess championship uh, resolve of Ronda Rousey after taking her first career loss. But I don't think this idea that the competition like evolved faster, I think is crazy because you you now look at who's atop the division. Chris Cyborg's been around forever, and there's not this great evolution of women's mixed martial arts where we're kind of maybe left with the answer that a lot of people had in the first place that Chris Cyborg would have beaten Ronda Rousey if they would have fought at 145. But the idea that women's mixed martial arts evolved past Ronda Rousey, no, I don't think that's the case. I think that uh, I think Ronda had a tremendous run, did something for that gender into this sport that nobody else could have done, and was fantastic. 
she just happened to get in there with people who were really good at throwing punches, and she thought she was good at throwing punches, and that ended up in a, in a bad way. So that's the that's the recap last night of of the main event. When we come back, Khabib Nurmagomedov he had an opportunity for redemption last night. A lot of fans were sour with him, so he got this uh, this little stage to himself. Tony Ferguson he has the interim title. Conor McGregor he has the undisputed title, but is off doing whatever the hell he's doing. So Khabib Nurmagomedov had, had a chance to steal some shine last night. We'll talk about his performance after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you as we'll take you up until around 10 o'clock. Next week, we move uh, back to our post-football season time, guys, of 10 o'clock. So this is our last showing in this time slot. So we'll be moving a little bit later on in the the lineup as we do each and every year after football season's over as the Dolphins wrap up the year uh later today um and you got the aqua and orange pregame show even though it's a four o'clock start they will come up after us today greg likens will get you ready for dolphins and who the hell are they playing they're playing the bills is that who they're playing who cares not not for nothing like i mean honestly but you know it's a meaningless game um but you guys can check out that show i don't think i did a good sell job greg does a fantastic job doing the show but it's a game like who cares honestly i mean jesus lack of this dolphins jay cutler season it could it could it could not come to an end faster for me. Really, really like, bleh, whatever. Anywho, uh, UFC 219 last night. You had um, you had Chris Cyborg. We talked about that uh, and her win yesterday. But I thought yesterday, I'm always looking for who's going to be the big story coming out of things. I do think yesterday, the the biggest story out of out of everything because man, undercard snooze fest, um, top three cards. Even though you had Carlos Condit's comeback, which was cool. His fight, Neil Magny outdid him. Uh, felt like a little bit of ring rust, a little bit of, um, I don't know if it was, um, what we can say about Carlos? Like, it was uh, it was a case where, you know, didn't feel like he was putting himself in the line of fire, and then also just felt like Neil Magny physically, when they got uh, tied up, just was able to take him down at will, and, and it took Carlos until, like, the third round to really get loose and really find his rhythm. Um so, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Like, this is a guy who seemed pretty set on retirement with some uh, worries of concussions and, you know, maybe is now going to continue. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see where Carlos goes from here. Um, but that one kind of came in, and, and it kind of came and went last night. It wasn't It wasn't anything I think you could look and say, yeah, that was fantastic. But the, but the and the undercard, it was a ton of decisions. Um and it's not like, oh, if it goes to a decision, it's a terrible fight. It's just, you know, you, you come out of these things and, and sometimes they're, they're fights that are worth watching. Sometimes they're fights that are just there. And a lot of those fights were, they were kind of just performances that were just there. I don't think we came out of there thinking, oh, this guy's the next this, this guy's the next that. But I think the person who had the most opportunity for that last night was Khabib Nurmagomedov. And there's a big reason for that. Um, one, he pissed off a lot of fans by missing weight and not making the Tony Ferguson fight this year. You know, people wanted to see that fight and really get a taste for who's the better fighter and who's going to be the guy who challenges Connor. And Khabib didn't, didn't, uh, make weight. He got very sick. His body was shutting down and we hadn't seen him in a while. And, that was a huge, huge blow, I think, to uh, a lot of people who were excited to see the next step for Khabib Namagamadov. And 
I felt like last night was a big opportunity for him to have redemption and to remind people why he has the record he does and show why he should be in the talks with those three and why he is as dangerous as he is. And I, but I, I was very skeptical coming to this. And I, I will tell you flat, like I, I picked against him. I thought that, you know, Edson with the, with, with the, the window that we saw Khabib take some damage against Michael Johnson before he was able to finish him off. Um, I thought Edson was going to be able to deliver something for Khabib and make him think twice about coming in. And he didn't, you know, he went through the, he went through the buzzsaw and he, uh, he took some very, very nasty kicks, didn't phase him at all. And once he got a hold of, of Edson Barbosa in that first round, really, really just put a beating on him. Um, it, it, I think to a lot of people it was a miracle that Edson got out of that round, speaks to his toughness, speaks to his resolve. Um, you know, but then the, then the next round came and Ed, and, and Khabib was, uh, was loosening it up a little bit. He was even throwing some kicks. He threw a flying knee at one point and eventually got Edson taken down. Same thing, not as not as much damage as he did in the uh, in the first round, but was putting on enough damage. I think two of the rounds, uh, there were a couple of ten eights because I think two of the uh, the scorecards were thirty twenty five for Khabib. It was that kind of uh, dominant from him once he got uh, Edson Barbosa to the ground, and um, then it was like the only thing Edson Barbosa had after that were like it was almost like a baseball player who needs to hit a home run in that case. Like, you, you know, we'd be in the situations with Giancarlo Stanton um, many a times where <laughs> be like, oh, Giancarlo Stanton, you need you need him to hit a home run. And he's just up there taking just monster hacks. And sometimes whiffing out a, a slider down and away in the dirt. Or sometimes it would, it would come through and connect. And, you know, he was just unloading every wheel kick that he had in him because he had very little energy left and... You know, it was on wobbly legs the entire time. Very, very gutsy performance for Edson to go the distance that way. Um, disagree with a lot of people who said, oh, well, Edson's corner should have thrown in the towel. No, you don't throw in the towel if you're Edson Barbosa because you have that kind of uh, that that kind of stuff in your toolbox. And you know, came close on a couple of things with the wheel kick, but they didn't uh, they didn't end up landing. But the uh, the idea that he was able to throw them out there. Um, Speaks to his toughness. And Khabib ends up winning a dominant decision. Now the question becomes, okay, what do we want to see next? What, where, where do we go from here? And look, in a perfect world, we're getting Conor versus Tony. That has to be the fight. That is the fight that is deserved. That is the fight that is earned by Tony Ferguson. And nothing Khabib did last night changes that at all. So... If you know Connor's coming back, whether it's in the summer or whatever, that needs to be the next fight. And Khabib doesn't get to cut in and, and get another interim shot, a shot at the interim title, um, unless you're going to take the title away from Connor. And then it's a it's a new title, and Tony's the undisputed champ. And then you want to pit him against uh, Tony Ferguson. Cool. But from my standpoint, look, you got me very, very hyped up for that fight for a while. We were all looking forward to seeing uh, Khabib versus Tony uh, Tony Ferguson. And then Khabib didn't make weight. He didn't make the scale. And so that's a, that's a huge downer. 
that he put the fans in that in that place, and which is why he needed to come forth and, and have the performance that he did to remind people why he is as good as he is. But I don't think he did anything last night that should warrant Tony Ferguson having to fight him if fighting Connor next is a legitimate chance. Now, to Khabib's credit, um, you know, after the fights yesterday, he's saying, look, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'll, I'll, I want a very active year. I want to fight three times next year. It doesn't matter if I'm fighting Tony next. It doesn't matter if I'm fighting Connor next. I will get the belt eventually, which I thought was a good attitude. You know, he did uh, He did come out and he says, uh, well, Connor's not the real champ. You know, 25-0 and 0 is the real champ. It's just like, look, you can say a lot of things about Connor, and a lot of people like to pile on him because, oh, well, he's never defended his belt. We know what the trajectory is. It's easy to it's easy to rewrite history on it, but Connor he doesn't pull out of fights, you know he and in fact he's had a lot of opponents pull out on him. Jose Aldo, Rafael dos Anjos, which ended up the reason why we went down the whole craziness with the with the Nate Diaz fights. You can't criticize him for not showing up, and for Khabib he's missed weight multiple times. One of them didn't even make the cage that that night, and for for me. It comes up empty when you're you're telling people, well, my 25 and 0 record is more legitimate than Conor McGregor beating a old Eddie Alvarez. And I remind you, this is an Eddie Alvarez who just put up one of the fight performances of the year, who's a Hall of Famer, only guy to to hold Bellator and UFC gold. He's an absolute monster. And Khabib's trying to just brush aside like, whatever, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez, that's a pretty fantastic win by Conor McGregor. And by the way, nobody does to Eddie Alvarez what Conor McGregor did to him. Um, and, and to put on top of that, flatlining Jose Aldo and then taking fights at welterweight. Doing things that you, that Khabib's not doing. You know, Conor will show up anytime, anywhere in different sports and, and doesn't miss weight, doesn't pull out of fights, and also doesn't take nine months off. And and ten months off when he's he's still trying to build a name, you know Connor was showing up. All right, three months later, headlining in Belfast. Three months later, headlining a Fox card. Three months later, you know, just kept showing up and showing up and showing up, and the stage just kept getting bigger. And with Khabib, the big frustration with fans is, hey man, you don't show up. We never see you fight, and you come up here, and yes, you're fantastic and you're tremendously dangerous, but let's not act like. Your 25-0 and 0 should be held anywhere in the same breath of a guy who got to the top of the sport, won two titles, over two Hall of Famers, and you're out here beating the holy hell out of Edson Barbosa and Michael Johnson. Not the same. Not the same at all. And it's really not – it's it's not the same. It's not even in the same class. It's not even in the same breath. And it's not even to say that Khabib Nurmagomedov cannot beat Conor McGregor because he has the absolute kryptonite – blueprint to go beat conor mcgregor if he can walk through those shots of conor mcgregor if he can get through the fire of conor mcgregor's hands and he gets a hold of him look conor mcgregor got taken down in some rounds by chad mendez who is a quarter of the size of khabib Nurmagomedov. it's not to say khabib doesn't have the absolute toolbox to go and beat conor mcgregor and beat him soundly but to compare resumes is ludicrous on any standpoint from khabib it's cool that Khabib has his style. They should market him. It'd be it'd be nice if the UFC could trust Khabib Nurmagomedov enough to market him. And 
you know, he's yesterday, he's complaining about, oh, UFC don't, does not market me in, in Russia. I do all these myself. You, it's like, hey, how can they market a guy when they gave you the opportunity to market you? You didn't make weight. You didn't make the most highly anticipated fight of your career. You didn't make it to the cage. So the one opportunity you had there for the UFC to put trust in you, you burned them. And you could say injuries, you could say, you know, uh, your body shut down. Look, I understand those things happen, but it is what it is. You know, you did it properly this time. You're talking about, oh, well, that should have been that when, when you're in this kind of arms race for publicity and who gets the biggest stage, who gets the most promotion, who gets the biggest fights, who gets the biggest paychecks. There's a lot of guys who are clawing out there for the top. Tony Ferguson's not missing weight. Conor McGregor's not missing weight. And, and Khabib was. So, yeah, fantastic performance last night. Great showing against Ed, Edson Barbosa. I don't think he gets to jump the line at all. It still is. It's the same hierarchy right now. Connor's one. Tony's the IC. And then you get to Khabib. And that's it. There's the, there's no skipping lines. And he can throw out the lines of, yeah, I would fight both guys same night. Cool. Awesome line to throw out. He handled that, fanta- he handled that fantastic. Um, but... Let's not act like let's not act like uh, like Conor McGregor is some soft schlub who is uh, who who's out there just doing nothing like he's some paper champion. Nah, man, like that's that's that that is it. That is a rewrite of history at its finest for Khabib Nurmagomedov and trying to wipe uh, the 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 minds of all MMA fans. That's a, that's a Men in Black trick, just just flashing in front of your eyes. Forget what you saw here. So awesome job by him last night, but. Let's 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 rein it in a little on where he stands right now. He's still third in line. He's still behind still behind Connor, still behind Tony. And if those two are able to fight, that's the fight that needs to happen. And it look, if you're gonna talk about let's talk about those two matchups, Tony's probably the tougher fight for him. You know, it'd be interesting, you know, he's had two guys in there right uh recently who have been tailor made for him. And, and Michael Johnson and Edson Barbosa, who really, they don't have a ground game. They're coming in there. They're looking to take your head off. And they're fantastic, dangerous strikers. Michael Johnson um, clipped Khabib, put him on wobbly legs, but then really had nothing for him once they got to the ground. And a lot of people don't have anything for Khabib once it gets taken to the ground. Tony is such a wild card on the ground that I'd like to see where that goes. Connor... You're hoping that if he if he lands that that magic left hand on and Khabib, will it have a much different result than when Michael Johnson hit him? That needs to be the case because, look, if it does come to the ground, there's no feeling that Conor McGregor is going to be able to get out of that buzzsaw. But it doesn't change what the hierarchy should be right now. It doesn't. The Khabib Khabib didn't move up anywhere in line yesterday. He just stayed where he was. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. To open it with you, have been talking UFC 219 for a lot of the show today. And uh, a couple things I want to point out. So there was a, there's a, there's a couple things that happened before we, uh, we had yesterday. And that was we had the promotion for UFC 220 which is Stipe versus Francis Ngannou, which is, I mean, I can't wait for that one. I'm really, really jacked up to see that heavyweight title fight. Uh, it has been a long time since you've had a heavyweight title fight. 
have you this excited. That that there is no doubt about that. And I think it's uh, a lot of what Francis Ngannou has brought with his uh, with his devastating knockouts, the way he flatlined Alistair Overeem. This was the weird one to me, though. So they put out this awesome promo for the two of them. Just, just, you know, the UFC, as much flack as you want to give them, the production on these promos, I mean, it is, it's second to none. I feel like they've gotten even better since they have gotten taken over by WME. So maybe it's the movie thing. I don't know. But they do this just sick promo for Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic. And... (laughs) I, I see I see all this reaction on social media outrage that they put this one clip in there of Alistair Overeem and he is deaded in the clip. You know, he is it's it's to to set the scene for for you guys if you haven't seen it. Everybody knows the 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 knockout that Ngannou put on Alistair Overeem, you know, it's the uppercut from hell and you know, we were all wondering. I mean, is Alistair Overeem going to wake up? I mean, that guy has the uh, the the strongest punch registered in uh, in the world in France Ngannou. He hit you clean with an uppercut, and we were wondering, is is Alistair Overeem ever going to move again? That's that's the kind of scary it was. And so, what they use for the promo is they go in close up of Alistair Overeem's eyes and face after the knockout, and he's just like eyes are rolled to the back of his head he's out cold but it's it sent a message like you're watching that thing and you're just like whoa this is the scariest human alive of what he just did to that striker it 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 really read it is the moment of the promo but i'm seeing a lot of uh, of reaction saying that's in poor taste can't do that how, how can you do that to overeem they wouldn't show the Ronda Rousey Holly Holm knockout for for forever until she officially walked away. W- why would they do that? It's classless by the UFC. Classless. First of all, we've all watched that knockout a thousand times. The the Ngannou Overeem. I gotta imagine that's gotta have some kind of Instagram record for people watching that knockout. It was incredible. We all know what happened, and look. If Alistair Overeem actually died and they used that clip, all right, you want to say that's tasteless? That's tasteless. Let's let's let a man rest in peace. He got up. It's the sport that he's in, and you're trying to make stars. You're trying to make Francis Ngannou. All I hear about with with these UFC fans and the media is, ah, UFC, they got to create more stars. They got no stars. They don't know how to do this. If you're going to go out there and you're going to try and create a star, the way you do it is, hey, we got an actual Drago here. We got a guy who does this to one of the most dangerous people that's ever graced the octagon, and this is what he did to him. It's a, it sends a message. It drives the point home for the viewer on why you should watch this heavyweight title fight. And everybody's like, yeah, but it, it's a little bit too much. Too much? Let me ask you something. If Alistair Overeem did that to Francis Ngannou, if he had the uppercut from hell, and Francis Ngannou is is laid dead to the world right there, don't you think? Don't you think Alistair Overeem would have wanted he would have wanted that to be in his next fight promo? Don't don't you think he would have wanted that to be in his commercial to sell the next fight? Because that is ultimately the goal. You're trying to sell the most pay per views that you can. 
make yourself as big as possible. And Francis Ngannou, look, not one. You you bring in two guys here. They can't put three sentences three, three sentences together to promote a fight. They are going to be promoted on their physical attributes and their accomplishments. And that was the absolute right move to have that shot in that promo because it's the thing that sticks with you and will make you want to buy that fight. And because I watched this press conference this past week of Stipe and Francis up there, they gave you nothing. Stipe is just like, don't care. Don't care. And look, that's Stipe. I don't want Stipe to be anybody that he's not. I don't want Stipe Miocic being up there uh, trash talking or feeling disrespected or or any of that stuff. That's not who he is. He is blue collar, fireman. He is he's salt of the earth. I don't want him to be anybody that's not. And I don't want Francis Ngannou from that standpoint to be up there trying to trying to be in there with a war of words of Stipe. Because first of all, it's not a hard war to win. And second of all, He's another one where it's just not like, hey, man, not your thing to go out here and cut promos on anybody. You just learned to speak English like three seconds ago. So let's just roll the tape. That should just be up there. Hey, everybody, uh, welcome to the uh, UFC 220 press conference. Uh, Roll the tape. And that's it. No questions, no nothing. No nothing for the media to get any thoughts on anybody in a major press conference. Roll the tape. Stand off, face off. Let's get going for UFC 220. And, and that's that's it. Not everything has to be, uh, you know, Randy Macho Man, Savage, or Ric Flair. It doesn't have to be cutting promos on everybody. A lot of the guys stink at it. A lot of guys are trying too hard at it. Here's two guys. I don't need it. You sell this thing like it's a Rocky movie. Fireman versus UFC Drago. I want more scenes of 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 Francis Ngannou in the Bane Lab, and I want I want Steve Miocic, you know, punching trees. And, and rescuing kitty cats out of them. That's what I want. You, you have that contrast there, and that's how you sell the fight. That's it. There's there's no, there's no uh, oh, this guy's this, and this guy's this, and this is how I feel. I don't want to know how they feel. They're two monsters. They're two heavyweights. I don't want I don't care. And, and stop telling me you're so outraged because you saw Alistair Overeem knocked out in slow-mo. Because I know in your basement, you watched it a hundred times from every angle, from every speed. You watched that Francis Ngannou knockout. Don't act to me like you all of a sudden are like, oh, that was too much. Clutching your neck, you know, all, all the gasp. I can't believe what they put up there for for uh, for the Ngannou knockout. The close-up of Alistair Overeem's eyes. Would you guys not watch the fight? It's horrendous. But it makes me want to see that fight more. It does. It sticks with me. Uh, speaking of heavyweights, finally, this, we got a little update on this. Um, we got the uh, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, according to Ring TV. That is agreed upon for March 3rd in Brooklyn. So the fight that was uh, publicized down here at Hialeah Park not too long ago where Luis Ortiz gets himself a second-round knockout and Deontay Wilder's there on the call and they – square off in the ring uh those two will be fighting so we are not getting Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua next which was named uh ring magazine uh fight of the year Anthony Joshua's win over Vladimir Klitschko which I watched the other night on replay it was on late and it was uh, still fantastic uh good choice by them uh Lomachenko is getting a lot of the accolades for fighter of the year very deserved and so congratulations to him 
But um, but this is a good fight. I'm still into – even though we're not getting Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder next, which stinks, um, this is still a good one. I still want to see where this fight would have gone, and I think it's a good builder for Deontay Wilder. I'm curious to see what he does. I think he still wins this fight. Um, but there is still that what if with Luis Ortiz. He's an awkward guy to figure out. He's got absolute uh, knockout power, and – Deontay leaves himself open. He's a wild, he's a wild puncher. So that definitely leaves a window of opportunity there for Luis Ortiz. So we'll see where that goes from here. Um, but I'm I'm uh, I'm excited that that's made. I imagine they're going to make the Anthony Joshua Joe Parker fight sometime soon. Um, but that hasn't been announced yet. That that hasn't been the case. And that's your heavyweight picture. But that's the one thing with the one thing with the UFC and boxing and i don't like doing this all the time but it is great that the ufc we want to see stipe versus france and we're getting it in a, in about uh, a two-month turnaround and for the best heavyweight fight we're all excited for deontay wilder versus anthony joshua it's like yeah we'll do it but we need a little bit more time to to, to put that one in the cooker it's like oh, oh you can't just do it next and then maybe have a rematch that's in the cooker no 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 no, no. we need to put that we need to have that uh, slow cook a little bit let that simmer a little bit, and then we'll get to that fight. Like, all right, fantastic. Um, so speaking of boxing and the UFC, this happened this week. So Dana White is uh, making the rounds this week, and he is going on, you know, uh, undisputed, and all those other TMZ, all the all the promotion that he does to try and get people interested in buying this. Fight. I will with with Dana White. This uh, this dance with Floyd Mayweather, you know, there was a while we were on vacation, uh, Floyd Mayweather came out and he had these statements that, you know, if I wanted to, I could have a multi-fight uh, deal with the UFC and make a billion dollars. And so Dana then comes out and he says, well, yeah, we're actually we're in we're in talks. He tells ESPN, yeah, we're in talks with Floyd um, about being in the octagon and you never know. And then he then. Floyd comes out and he goes, I never said that I was going to do it. I said, you know, I could if I wanted to. I could I could come back and and, and do it, make a billion dollars. And he'd have to have a pretty successful UFC run to make that happen. But let's just say, all right, Floyd, let's let's play into that that uh, that case that you can make a billion dollars being in the UFC. Look, I think if you're Floyd Mayweather and you do want to make a heap of money, that is the move to go. That That is the move to do. There's not a fight in boxing right now where – I think Floyd Mayweather can do the business that he did with Conor McGregor. If you're looking to do ridiculous business again, you got to you got to have him fight in the UFC. And if he wants to do that, he's got to fight Conor McGregor. And so then you go 1-1. If if you were to do this with Floyd, if Floyd did want to make a billion dollars, here's what I would do. I go Floyd go in there, you fight Conor McGregor. All right? Probably going to get his ass kicked. Then I'd have Floyd Mayweather fight CM Punk in his second fight. If you're doing a multi-fight deal, I think he wins that fight. I think he beats CM Punk. So now Floyd's got a UFC win under his belt. Now you can do the Conor rematch, multi-fight deal, and that's how you get to it, if you wanted to do it. But it seems like all these meetings and this um, this story is just Dana is looking to get into boxing. He's doing the Zufa boxing, and... He 
is trying to get in bed, it seems like, with Al Heyman and Floyd Mayweather promotions, which could use some direction, certainly. Um, you know, you, you never you never see Floyd Mayweather really doing cards by himself. It's kind of just a brand, like, oh, Floyd Mayweather, he's a Floyd Mayweather fighter. You know, you know he's got Javante Davis and a couple of other guys, but it's not really a thing. You're not you're not seeing Floyd actually put anybody on unless it's a unless it's Floyd is fighting on that card and you know, he's got some guys on under his brand that are fighting in uh on on his same card. Other than that, nobody looks at it and says, Oh well, this has all been a presentation by Mayweather Promotions. It's not really a thing. Um but if Dana was trying to get into boxing that is the one corner where he could say well we got the mayweather brand with zufa boxing or whatever the hell it is the the one the the only thing that i the only thing that leaves me a little bit confused if they're going to do that is okay so is it going to be mayweather boxers against ufc guys is it going to be just dana promoting mayweather's guys and he's kind of the operation head he's going to be their actual don king if you will for this and not mayweather um, you know, that's, that's what all kind of leaves me empty with it. So no, I know it doesn't seem like the, uh, the, the, the Floyd of the UFC thing has legs. Not that it really ever did. Um, if not for, uh, for a few hours on social media of people just saying, oh, what if, um, you know, but yeah, I, I was a little bit to the, the idea of, oh, well, Dana's going on all these shows and he's talking about, well, what if Floyd Mayweather, uh, what if Floyd Mayweather went to the UFC? Like, well, we said the same thing about what if what if Connor, we never thought he was gonna be into boxing. It uh it doesn't seem like it's anything there. Seems nothing more than just a uh than just a, a, a little cross promotional meeting and and that's where we're at with that. So don't look to see Floyd Mayweather in an octagon anytime soon. Although I would I still wouldn't put it past um Floyd getting back into a boxing ring. I just don't think that star is out there right now for him to fight. You know, he still needs somebody to emerge and, and really be that, that that guy who can catapult to a major payday. And I don't think it's out there right now. You know, maybe we'll, we'll have different talks after the Canelo-Gennady-Golovkin rematch. Uh, but for right now, it's not there. It's not there for Floyd Mayweather. And and that's where we stand, man. That was our, that was our 2018. Uh, that was our 2017. That was our, that was our year. I thought, I thought fantastic year for boxing. UFC very inconsistent. Obviously had some star troubles and didn't have Conor McGregor in the octagon at all this year. Had John Jones uh, pop after his awesome performance, which kind of stunk, but had a good couple pay-per-views uh, towards the end of this thing, and uh, it built into us getting off to things with a monster pay-per-view at UFC 220 in a couple weeks. Can't wait for that. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, continue rolling on. We'll be moving to our uh, our time of 10 o'clock next week, so you guys who regularly tune to us at 9 will be on a little bit later next week as we are after every single football season, you guys can get the Aqua Orange pregame show. They will get you ready for Dolphins and Bills next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.